Finding this podcast magical? Why not toss a coin to your Witches and a Druid podcast through the Acast supporter feature? It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to show your support now. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to Three Witches and a Druid Podcast, a Canadian podcast about paganism in today's modern society. Welcome back to Three Witches and a Druid, where we sit around the kitchen table and talk about modern paganism. I'm Margot. And I'm Maeve. I'm Gwen. I'm Brian. And tonight we are talking about gatekeeping. What it is, why it can be harmful, and why occasionally it can be necessary. So the Urban Dictionary defines gatekeeping as when someone takes it upon themselves to decide who does or does not have access or rights to a community or identity. So this has been a problem since the 50s in paganism. A lot of people in the witchcraft community felt that initiation was a requirement to be a witch. Mm -hmm. And of course, now in 2020, that's a pretty far-fetched concept. It is, it is. This is kind of making a bit of a comeback due to social media like TikTok and Instagram, where you have individuals who are touting themselves as gurus of witchcraft, feel that you need to pay them a $5 a month fee and they'll teach you all they know of witchcraft. So it's slightly coming back. So what are some of the personal experiences each of us have had with gatekeeping? I think you should start. I think you've got the best stories. My gatekeeping, and I'm of two minds about gatekeeping. In some places I do, I do feel that a bit of gatekeeping, you know, to make sure that people are not, you know, going to come on in and set themselves up so they can, you know, corner young witches into whatever they want them to do. I do believe in a bit, you know, what are the people's intentions, but I tend to, on the whole, be very wide open. So long as you're respectful of the tradition and you research the tradition and it resonates with you, I'm very eclectic because my first experiences in an organized coven and we are talking 25 years ago a long time the people who ran this this group they figured they were your lords and masters basically in many ways there was no say on who got to join they decided you had no say it was always overtures inappropriate ones sometimes and it was also well we've disassociated with this person If you talk to them, you're not allowed to come around with us. It was really a lot of it very, even I was going, no, no, no. So I didn't stay too, too long with them year maybe because I said, no, I'm terribly sorry. I'm not 
living like that. So when I did get out of that, did leave that group, I said, get out. It's not get out. I wasn't in a cult <laughs> somewhere or anything like that. But when I did leave that group, I tended to go way in the other direction. Way, way. In Which the is a very you thing to do. It, well, it was. And it was also, and I got to say, and I will give our uh, credit to good old Scott Cunningham, who in the 90s wrote yeah. Solitary Practitioner and all that. You weren't a witch unless somebody gave you initiation and everyone was desperate to belong to a group but some sort of btw group or whatever the case might have been so you could have initiation recognition you felt you'd accomplish things and finding a teacher was a big deal so there was a little bit more wasn't much choice and there was a little more frantic desperation almost about it but then everyone read scott cunningham and went oh good we're free <laughs> you know what i mean and so i went very much in the other direction and there is a lot of people with oh you know you why are you as a european based ancestry i mean i'm a canadian my family came here you know a long time ago you know why why would you want to you know have a one of my goddesses is an Indian goddess, Kali. You know, you're not Indian. Well, so what? I respect Kali. I respect their culture. I've done a lot of reading. I've done a lot of work. And I also, too, believe, and this is an argument some people might not go for, but there is residue from life to life. Mm -hmm. So maybe one of the reasons why I'm very drawn to Kali is three lives ago, maybe I was in India, you know, living in India. I've often thought that one of my past lives, I was definitely a Roman and Diana. And, you know, and another goddess of mine is Kuan Yin, and maybe I was Chinese. Just because I'm white European descent now doesn't mean I've always been white European descent. So that can really resonate with someone, I think. So when people say, oh, you can't do that. Yes, but maybe it's your soul affiliation. Since I was four years old, I wanted to go to Egypt. I wanted to be an Egyptologist when I was younger. And though I don't work with the pantheon, ancient Egypt and all of that just absolutely still to this day awes and fascinates me. And I was having my palm read by a friend of ours and she does soul affiliations in your palm and several years ago she said you're an egyptian in your soul affiliation am i answering the question your question <laughs> that's one of my thoughts but no truly far as gatekeeping goes i also do gate just for safety's sake and all of that but you go do what you want you want you some i no one's going to tell me i'm sorry you're not in you you can't put a collie fridge magnet on in your kitchen they can my middle fingers for that so. <laughs> well to stay on that topic a little bit there's the history books show us that isis was worshipped by romans and we have bridget in uh Christianity, and she was yes. originally a Celtic goddess. So deity sharing may not always be necessarily appropriate, but it's definitely happened. And no one can ever deny that it, it hasn't happened for hundreds of it's, years. It's a little bit of hubris on our parts that we draw boxes around deity. Who are we to say who deity resonates and speaks mm -hmm. to? Maybe I don't assume authority over a, a culture or a tradition that I have no knowledge of. But if deity speaks to me and I want to learn and so that I know how to respond. I should not feel that that I'm inappropriate. In oh, that, and that's the key point there is the wanting to learn about it. it. It's not like you're 
taking a god from another culture and just stamp, stamping it on the side of a candle and trying to sell it. This is something you're interested in, something you're wanting to learn and grow in. Mm-hmm. That's part of it's different. Mm-hmm. It, it's very interesting. Recently, I was doing a little research because I, I love research. I'm a dig the research out girl, especially when it comes to deities. I love researching gods and goddesses and mythologies and all of that. And recently, because I'm at that just over 50 perimenopausal children you know child leaving high school getting ready becoming independent and I'm like oh you know maybe I'm having a little you know little thinking about empty nest and things and a goddess came to me a deity that I would have never gone for in a thousand years and she's what came to me so who am I to turn her away if she was there to help me yeah and that will help me what who cares I do understand from what you were saying before we started that in the online community and culture gatekeeping is needed a little more in some ways or is happening maybe in a impressive way or something what's your personal experience with gatekeeping first my personal experience well i think i've kind of seen in small circles i have been involved in some small circles where when people understood that you were doing certain work that they had an expectation that other religious institutions like a church, that it would be an open door and they could just walk in whenever they wanted. And often because of the deeply personal nature of witchcraft and how people express it in their lives and and use it, it's not safe for people. And maybe people have different expectations of what they're going to experience or go through. And so sometimes people say, oh, that's really good. You're working on this or that or whatever. It It comes out because it was never something that would be common knowledge or something like that but if it comes out I'm really interested I've been doing this work do you think I could be a part of that group or do you think you know are you accepting members those sorts of things and then it would be a group decision this person seems to be walking a similar path to us you know we can help her and she can help us but then there are other people that maybe it's a feather in their cap if they can be part of a specific groups or they have different expectations and it's just not going to be helpful for either of you so you think ah have you tried this group or that group they may be accepting new people and then and nobody likes rejection so there's negative feedback there's people with hurt feelings because they have different expectations as we're talking i was just thinking about this and sometimes the whole gatekeeping thing is interesting because the smaller the group, sometimes the firmer the boundaries. Like, so you go back to the 50s and whatever, they were a very small percentage of population wise. And there was definitely a level of privilege. Like, you almost, you may have to fly or travel hundreds of miles to maybe meet with your coven because teachers weren't around back then and that, that sort of thing. And so it's interesting how people in the margins sometimes you choose gatekeeping to protect yourself or something or to mm-hmm. or to give yourself self-referential or I'm I'm trying to think how how that would uh, work like you're thinking people uh, who really wants to be part of this we're we're an alternative small part of society I mean there's and witchcraft and pagan practices go in and out of fashion you know in another cycle there'll be something else will come to the forefront and capture people's imaginations there will be people who stay. It seems very interesting to me. We're such a small group and yet 
we're very self-regulatory as to who who should belong mm-hmm. or who's going to be there or who has value. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's more necessary to be careful about things like that because you're in a smaller alternative group. But maybe it's also about creating a structure of self-importance. That us versus them. Yeah. It can be interesting because when you lead a public ritual, anyone and everyone is welcome. Yes. But it can get tricky because someone might say, oh, I hear you, blah, 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 to part this coven. Can I come and join up with you? And you're thinking, no. (laughs) Not in a cruel way and not in an unpleasant way. But, you know, A, it's not my necessarily just my decision to make. Yeah. But it's also, well... And this is going to sound so snotty, but, you know, it's nice to have the like-minded people. This is what we, we wish to be doing. This is our goal. This is sort of our focus. And some people just are, you know, as you said, that another group might be better for you. And you do get hurt feelings. It's like, oh, can we join up? Or, you you know, that sort of idea. That can get tricky. Now, public rituals, come one, come all. Mm-hmm. That's, that's another story. But a lot of times, I remember back in the day, <laughs> 25 years ago, when the groups, there were more groups almost than you thought, but they yeah. were so absolutely secret. Yes. You had no idea. And it's like, if some you did find out about another group and meet some people there, you absolutely didn't say you knew them in many yeah. cases. But it was a big matter of, you know, people could, social services could be on their doorstep or their job could be in jeopardy. And that sort of depends on the, on the circumstance. And how, how does it work, Brian? You were talking about internet? I don't want to get into it too much because that's, this is practically a whole episode on its own. But on TikTok, over the last little while, someone had told me, like, you need to download TikTok and, and look up the hashtag TikTok witches. I'm like, why? And they're like, you'll see. So... You you download TikTok and you search the hashtag TikTok witches or witch TikTok or something along those lines. And the astronomical amount of individuals who were on there who proclaim that if you pay them $5 a month, they'll teach you everything you need to know about witchcraft. They will be the guru for your exploratory path. And that's another episode about getting paid for services. But at the same time, these people imply that unless you learn from them, you're not going to learn anything. They're pushing this concept that you can't learn on your own. You need this mentor, this person who will initiate you into their craft. It's interesting because you were talking about cycle Mm -hmm. and this 25 years ago, this, that's what it was yeah. like. Isn't yeah. that interesting? Yeah. yeah. It's come back around. Isn't yeah. that interesting? Which, yes. again, when I worked at Little Mysteries for all those years and had so many people coming in, looking and searching, A, the really young ones always wanted the really old books. Where are your really old books? <laughs> Where are the original books? It's like, you know, they were all written in the 50s. There's nothing old. Like, yeah. That's the oldest. Yeah. Um, little, little Gerald Gardner. Yeah. Little Mama. And papers. they also wanted to know about groups and how to find a group and how to be in a group. And I understand that desire for connection and for community, but I also understood a little bit about some of the groups that were active at the time and wanting to let people know that you need to ask questions. Question if anybody offers to be a teacher or wants to invite you into their group, go into it with open eyes, ask questions, 
and never do anything that makes you feel uncomfortable because it should be a safe place. It should be a healthy place. And if anything is making you squeamish, I guess that's when you use your own personal gatekeeping and decide this is not for me. This is not what I want to do. Yeah. So do you have any personal experiences with gatekeeping? I assume a lot from the store. Mostly it was helping people find the answers they were looking for, which most of the time was in books because there's not at that time, there weren't a lot of teachers around. I mean, Maeve did her courses at the church that we Mm -hmm. promoted a lot. Vanessa herself would would do Wicca 101 courses. And I know, yes. And I know through there quite often people who didn't have any other connection with each other would, that was one way people did find each other and start building in their own groups. I'd say that billboard, like just yes. inside the door, was yeah. like the main community hub for yeah. years. Yeah, for, for helping people connect with other people. Yeah. A lot of the time I found people were, they didn't feel, oh, I'm reading the book and I'm trying it on my own, but am I doing it right? Am I this? Am I that? They just needed a little maybe a little guidance, a little validation. It's like, oh gosh, I don't know if I did that right. It's like, no, you did that perfectly. (laughs) Or I would always have people say, I've done the reading. I've, you know, I have my little altar set up, but I'm afraid to call the quarters. I'm afraid to cast a circle. What if I do it wrong? And my favorite response was always, oh honey, the goddess understands. (laughs) (laughs) You know, your your intention is right. Your heart is in the right place. One of the appeals of paganism is the lack of rigidity, I think, for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. It's not a, you can only do it this way. If you don't do it this way, it's wrong. Which is what a lot of people were fleeing from and finding so unsurprising. And that's what I was going to mention is like gatekeeping can be a large cultural thing, but it also can be just the incredible minor things. A good example is individuals who might, as I was mentioning earlier, lighting sage and lighting it with a lighter. And some people will be like, no, you're doing that wrong. It needs to be lit with a candle. That's a form of gatekeeping. And with that argument, though, this is kind of my own form of personal gatekeeping. And I understand it comes from a point of privilege. I personally feel that the tools that you use matter. The idea of using tools that were mass produced in China, made in a sweatshop, I feel that those personal things take away from what you're trying to create. But that's my own personal form of gatekeeping. I wouldn't tell somebody else that they're doing it wrong, but if you have the opportunity to improve quality of what you're doing. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Go for it. 
but I, I wouldn't say that using the athame with the China stamp on it, like I wouldn't say you're doing it wrong, but take that into consideration when you're doing whatever it is that you're doing. Why is all maces made in Pakistan? Yeah, it's, <laughs> no, I, I, I have I've a single been using that, that son of a, I've been using that film for 25 no, years. And that's fine. It's <laughs> like, I, I read a book, I think it was called The Crane Bag. She has a chapter in there and it's about, I think it's actually titled Gatekeeping. And she says, this is my personal form of gatekeeping. And I was like, this makes a lot of sense. There's a weird taint to yourself if you're trying to invoke the gods while wearing a cloak made from some little girl in India while waving around the wand made by a little boy in China. It's like, now I understand this comes from a point of privilege, like mm-hmm. I, I can afford to make my own tools mm-hmm. or afford to buy something of a higher quality. Not everybody can do that. A lot of people have to buy their candles from the dollar store. There's nothing wrong with that either. That's okay. You, you can't get the sheets of beeswax anymore. The no. beeswax, like yeah. you used to go to Michael's or yes. whatever it is and get. It's funny you say that because that's I think that's Karen's biggest complaint. She used to love making those candles. Oh, I know. You can't put the get herbs them in them and everything for spell work. It was absolutely perfect. But it is nice, you know, if you can make your, you know, find your own tools in very, very special places. Or even now, there's you can be so much more connected because we have online, you know, the internet has some good things about it with artisans and things who make these things and and whatnot. There was no artisan for me and I couldn't afford to go to a blacksmith. So it was a biker kiosk in the West End Mall where Sears (laughs) and they used to be. And it was a boot, it was a boot knife and I still use it. But but also in use, you've layered over it. Oh, Yes. So in yes. creation, yes. there's stuff, and those entities have the carry those energies oh, and it's been with them. But but use so much. Use so, yeah. it, you know that layers that layers. Well, open. again, when people would say, "I want to buy everything I need for my altar," I'm like, "Look, I am more than happy to sell you everything." Yeah. But if you don't connect with any of the chalices we have, why are you spending your money? Yeah. You might be at a flea market and find something yes. that just grabs you. You know? I, I can't remember the wording, but I also remember, and it kind of comes up in the same from the store perspective, that as you left Little Mysteries, there was like this kind of sign saying something like, are you sure you want to steal your sacred tools? Yes. <laughs> because yeah. there's also that, right? Yes. Like how do, you, how do you come by your sacred tools? How do yes. you, I guess that's another episode, yeah. the things that you use yeah. and that sort of thing. But the, Oh, I could talk for hours about that. Uh, one of my favorite yeah. things is thrifting that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Oh, thrifting. Yeah. And, and, you know, a little cleansing and a little yeah. whatever, and things work really well. And mixing it up is okay too. Mm-hmm. You know, some people get very worried about, you know, it all has to match this or whatever. It's like, no, no, no. Well, I got the boot, the boot knife from Pakistan. And I also had beautiful, like, plum orchard pottery made in Nova Scotia, pentacle and chalice. It's, you know, what, what comes to you, what's, what suits yeah. you. And, and if somebody says, oh, you can't use that. Well, again, that's what your middle fingers Back to gatekeeping, though. Gatekeeping also sometimes, unfortunately, comes hand in hand with cultural appropriation. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people feeling that you're appropriating the culture if if you step too far in any one direction. And then you have people say, no, you can't. You can or cannot do this. How do we feel about this? Intention respect. I work with chaplains of various faiths and I was speaking to uh, one of my good buddies is a, a Mennonite chaplain in Brunswick and 
he from time to time will use a indigenous person uh, stories from their local area in his sermons but he has a good relationship with that community and gets permission i'm using it in this way is that okay he talks to the elders and he gets that permission he's using it in that way i don't see maybe appropriating stuff from other cultures in that in that same way that you know that he is but that idea of if you are drawn to a certain path that is really outside of your wheelhouse in your cultural knowledge base because we are raised in this western way it is not wrong to seek out teachers of different cultures, whether some um, the Caribbean Blacks and the Vodun and Santeria that grew, grew up there or many other things. I don't think that's wrong. And I find, especially here in this country, I find the First Nations people so generous with their culture that if you are coming from a place of respect and wanting to learn, they are well ready to, <coughs> to share with you. Yeah. So long as you're respectful, I mean, you know, using stories and exam. I mean, where was the Bible written originally? And yeah. 300, and that's all over the world. Yeah, to every culture. So why, you know, if I've got a story, this is a very interesting teaching story from this country or from this country or from this country. Well, these stories are often written down in books. They're meant to be shared. I think it goes that back to what you had idea. said earlier about like if you're going out and seeking to learn about mm-hmm. something, mm-hmm. then. That's for that culture to decide, not... There is the thing. Do I read a couple of books by maybe credible authors, maybe not? And then I decide, always make candles. I'm so good at it. And I'm going to slap this face of this deity on my candle and perhaps take away the ability for somebody else to actually profit from their own cultural standpoint. And I've just mm-hmm. westernized it. And, and I mean, we have this here, but I, this is a global thing. Yes. I mean, how, how many prosperity candles to I from for, with ISIS on it have we all seen? Yes. Yeah. And, 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 like and they are created in some country that doesn't revere ISIS, right? So, yeah. you know, it, it's a global thing, but it can be part of your personal practice to be authentic and to be respectful of that yourself in, in your growth. A lot of people don't seem to understand that there's a very large difference between the urban outfitter selling white sage and green catchers versus a local artist doing that who may have some sort of connection to that community, maybe has permission from that community. We, you don't know everybody's story, but everyone just sort of assumes they know. A little mm-hmm. while ago, I was in Truro, actually. I was looking for uh, pipe tobacco because it's really hard to get in Halifax right now. And so I stopped at one of those uh, tobacco stands along the road, and I stopped in and quickly discovered that the natives in the area had very traditionally moved from tobacco to selling marijuana because it makes more money. They didn't have any tobacco. Uh, But I noticed that she... They were selling a lot of white sage. And I said, well, that's interesting that you're selling white sage. And she's, yeah, like, you could buy it. You could burn it. It doesn't matter to us. You can't perform a, a smudging ceremony because you don't know the ceremony, but you can still burn it. And it, and it, it still has, it still yeah. has mm-hmm. usefulness, but mm-hmm. don't, right. yeah, don't assume that you have. Yeah, don't, don't assume you have the knowledge to do this ceremony, which you don't. Yeah. yeah. But using a basic, you know, burning a herb or incense or resins to use for, you know, cleansing and this and that. Oh, that's a worldwide thing. That's not, yeah, that is a Anyone, anyone can do that. I mean, yeah. I'm not 
qualified in any way to do a native smudging ceremony. I but have, sacred smoke is, is... It's a whole different thing. Cool. Yes, absolutely. Smudging in quotation marks for cleansing purposes, and that's, everyone does that. And we, as a Temple grove, we've changed in all, all our written material from smudging to saining. Yeah, it's a Gaelic word mm. meaning pretty much the same thing. Say the word again, please. Saining? S-A-I-N. Oh, nifty. Never heard that word. I, but I have seen some, I've seen some interesting work on language. There is a European, Indo-Euro word smogen or something like that. So cultures interweave and people share things and you may not know the details of somebody's practice, but, right. but there's so much interwoven, it's hard to extricate. Right. It is very, very interesting topic on the note of if anybody tells you, you only read the books that I we tell you, mm. don't read these books, don't talk to these people, our way's the only way, or another biggie is, and it used to be really popular, really common, was, oh, to receive your initiation, you have to literally do the great rite with the high priest. Yeah, that's, things. I have, that's I, a big issue. I know it seems incredible, but I swear I've seen all of yeah. this happen back years ago. It Wasn't was there a crazy. church out west in Canada had a big issue with exactly what you just said? Mm -hmm. Or or yes, you're in my coven and I am the high priestess or I'm the high priest and if we happen to be at a party at somebody else's house you have to wait on me and bring me your drinks. That's <laughs> another one. We used to have that problem here. <laughs> and so it's sort of like that the whole, that really gets me now that said about you know books you can use and what products you can use and only burn this and do this and do that i would never say to anybody who asks me oh should i read this book you read anything you want i have however said this you go right ahead and read it you might get more out of it you need these first mm -hmm. you know what i mean if you are right out of the gate and you want to read something that might go slightly over your head because it's like no it's a good book read it if you want but you know what maybe after you've done this and this you may enjoy it more. you will yeah. get more out of it not no no you want to read you straight ahead in druidry we have something similar it's like you're not no no druid should ever read the 10 lessons of Merlin. it's the worst druid <laughs> and it'll I take found you that on book a, at a secondhand bookstore and you very little about druidry it is literally the only book I have ever destroyed in my life yes. it is it is the worst druid book and any druid will tell you buy it and burn it yeah, if you yeah, see that, it, that is Druid's uh, gatekeeping. Well, well the I now, now, Marco may remember there was one or two books going around back in the day. People were finding them secondhand. I know Vanessa wouldn't carry them in the store. People were asking yeah. for them. And I do know that there were several of us. If we saw these books somewhere, we bought them so that other people wouldn't. Because you didn't want yeah, that kind of version of. I oh I I have I have one or two of them. You still. you didn't really, you didn't destroy them. You just no no I, I didn't you shelf. know like this is how you rob a grave to get the nails out of the coffin. I'm not kidding. Remember wow. that book? 
I've seen more than one book. This is how you kill someone. This is how you do candle spell for this. Another really great one. I got this one upstairs. It was, oh my gosh, I found it somewhere. Love spell. If you want this particular person, when you invite them over and you give them a drink, make sure you put your menstrual blood in it because then they will be bound to you and only you. We saw these books, we picked them up. Sounds like the anarchist cookbook. (laughs) (laughs) But it was out there and people thought it was great. I'm like, I forget the name of that one, but you had all kinds of people out asking for it and we're like no we're not buying that that's what a lot of them are looking for after they watch like the craft but no and i know that is i have personally done gatekeeping then yeah it's like you do not need well and that's do not need to be digging in graveyards that's that's sort of the next step in this conversation there is gatekeeping that's required especially in paganism with a wide variety of white supremacists knocking at our door constantly where we have to tell certain people no bugger off you're not allowed to use these symbols you're not allowed to be a part of our culture I think the Assassin community is having a big deal oh, with that right now. The they, they probably have, I, I feel for anyone of that faith because they have had a rough go for the last 20 years. Various symbols being appropriated and as you've said before, the Muggles not understanding this because a lot of groups online will post symbols that are used in hate groups without the communication of that these symbols are still used in modern paganism but they just label them as hate symbols there's all sorts of runes that are if you look it up online you're, you're almost targeted as a white supremacist immediately without understanding that those symbols have other meanings well that's not the first time that symbols from one religion oh, of course have yeah. been bastardized to mean something completely different by yeah. someone else well yeah, it's, so it, well the, the swastika being the most exactly. famous one yes. it's it's funny because nerdy like if you play pokemon go <laughs> and if you have anyone on your friend list from china you can send each other like Sings in China, almost every temple has a swastika on it. Well, so I, I I probably get seven or eight swastika pictures a day from various people. Uh, I had I had a girl who lived with me from China, and one day she was leaving out the door with her swastika earrings on for good fortune. Yeah, it was. And I said to her, I said, "You can't wear those here." She's like, "What do you mean?" I said, "Do you know what this symbol is?" Oh, it is this, and you go to the temple and you. and you on and on and say no 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 and then I talked about she says oh really because she was vaguely aware of it being used as a Nazi symbol she was only 20 years old and all of that but to her that was also our assumption that our cultural take on something Mm -hmm. is going to color everybody else yes Yes. I did say to her I said if I were you I wouldn't do that yeah I said be because prepared. it would. I said you could get people saying very unpleasant things to you, or even like, and people coming up to you. She said, "Really?" She was very, very surprised. And I said, "Yes." And it was very interesting. And once I was in when the art gallery had the mummy or the Pompeii mm. or whatever, and there was this almost like uh, it was like a pottery piece, and there was a swastika on it, and it was you know a couple thousand years old. And someone said, "Why is there a swastika on that?" And the tour guide and museum said i have no idea and i said i do i mean and that symbol went from china right through to the balkans as a first nation and light here around the great lakes first i could just do a whole thing about 
the Atlantis theory. Have you guys ever heard of this? This is a different topic, and I'm not trying to change the topic, <laughs> but there are various symbols and technology and tools that you'll find all across the world, and there's zero connection of why they're there. Yes, it's, it's called the Atlantis theory. Well, even up in the northern part of Ontario, there's a town called Swastika. It was a mining town. It was a mining and, town, And in yeah. the turn of the century, because mm-hmm. I live just out, not too far mm-hmm. from there when we were doing our uh, Back to the Land, at the turn of the century, everything Asian was late 1800s, early 1900s. The people were expanding and traveling and people were in love with that culture. Mm-hmm. And so they brought it back. And it's prosperity on a gold mine town. Mm-hmm. That yeah. made perfect yeah. sense. Yeah. And they've gotten some blowback from time to time. But again, it's almost our myopia that we assume other cultures are going to mm-hmm. see the swastika in the same way we do because mm-hmm. we have had this horrific experience with yeah. it in the West it and is. this horrific appropriation. The First Nations people in the around the Great Lakes area, mm-hmm. there's stone carvings of that from there. Again, it's on Turtle Island, way pre just you know. Well isn't that interesting that they would have that Native people, you know, and the Balkans would have it. But then again, the, the theory we learned growing up, you know, that the people from China came over the, you know, mm-hmm. the land bridge. And maybe that symbol came with them. Maybe yeah, that symbol is that old and the Native peoples knew it. Yeah. That's interesting. That just came yeah. in my head. That's an interesting question. But yeah, so gatekeeping is definitely used in a sense to keep those people out of the pagan community. And that's a good thing. And gatekeeping is used to burn incredibly terrible books, which <laughs> I have I have two or three of them upstairs still. And oddly enough, we went through this phase of finding them in secondhand bookstores. People did we were buying them. And you know, and here I am, I suppose I'm contradicting myself. Oh, if you want to read that book, you go ahead. But these were some of them were just not nice. Yeah. And we did that at the time. I guess we felt it was the right thing to do. Anyway. Again, I think earlier, and this would be another topic, but about the threefold law and all those sorts of things. Some of those things, people were, there was a lot of backlash if you were in this alternative religion Mm -hmm. in the, you know, the 50s, 60s, that sort of thing. And so you almost had to be a purer than pure yeah, it tend to be uh, the real serious white witch, the white witch. Yes, kind of, so yeah. so there black. would be there yeah, would be that witch. aspect. So yeah, no witchcraft is never used to harm anybody, and no, you, you never do this and you never do that. And then of course you go back in cultural and you look at various tribal peoples through that witchcraft and druidry and various Western European mm-hmm. traditions come from. Oh, people did all sorts of horrible things with their witchcraft. (laughs) And they did it from places of very often having zero power and having no way to to even the score. Anyway. Well, even in many ancient religions, you know, human sacrifice and animal sacrifice and this and all these things was extremely common. Yeah. Extremely common. All right. Well, look, thank you everyone for tuning in. And you can certainly, if you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you on the Facebook page, Three Witches and a Druid. And our next topic of conversation is going to be about taking money for services in paganism. That is our next topic of conversation. Yes. <laughs> okay. So we'll, we're, we're, we'll look forward to talking to you again soon. And again, contact us anytime. And until next time, everyone, Merry Meet. Merry Heart. And Merry Meet again. Blessed be. be. Imagine. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.